Welcome to Under the Shell, presented by Terrapin Sports Central. This week, we talked to a top 20 projected pick in the MLB draft and a man who's had an incredible past seven days, Matt Shaw. And as always, we preview the upcoming games for Maryland. I'm Brendan Weissel. Sam Jane. Michael Big Mike House. All right, let's get into it. Our next guest is the star shortstop for Maryland baseball. He is coming off winning the Big Ten Player of the Week honors with his play earning the Terps a weekend series win over then number 22 Iowa, featuring a go-ahead grand slam in the first game. He's a 2022 Cape Cod Summer Player of the Year. He earned first-team Big Ten honors last year and was on the Big Ten All-Freshman team his freshman year. We are honored to finally have on Matt Shaw. Matt, kind of how do you feel like you're playing this year, and how's the season going for you guys so far? Uh, yeah, season's going good. Um, I feel like I'm I'm playing good, but, you know, as a squad, I think we're kind of headed in the right direction. We've had some ups and downs so far this season, um, and I feel like that just kind of happens sometimes, you know, uh, especially with playing baseball, one of those sports where really anything can happen. So, you know, the ups and downs are kind of a good experience for us, learning how to win, learning a little bit how to lose, how to play from behind. So, you know, all in all, I think we're kind of headed in the right direction. Do you kind of feel like this season you guys have had like a target on your back winning uh, the Big Ten last year, and now you guys are like no longer the hunted? I mean, you're no longer like the hunters. You're the hunted now. Um, Honestly, I I really don't know. Uh, Going into the year, you know, you play a bunch of good teams. Like we're playing, you know, number – at the time it was like number five Ole Miss and number seven Vanderbilt, you know, teams that are – the top teams in the country. So, you know, having the schedule that we had, you know, it's not necessarily that either team is the hunted or the hunter. You know, we kind of go in there and we're both just trying to win a baseball game. Uh, and the same thing in the Big Ten and, and you know, playing baseball, anybody can be anybody. So, you know, we're looking forward to this weekend against Rutgers. Um, and in general, I think, you know, we have a lot to learn, a lot to to work towards, but, you know, it's it's gone pretty well thus far. If you look back kind of personally for yourself, uh, maybe a few years um, just to go, uh, obviously grew up playing baseball uh, in Massachusetts. So what ended up drawing you to come to the University of Maryland? Yeah, Maryland was one of the schools that offered me and seemed pretty interested in me. So, you know, it was something that ended up just kind of working out that way. Um, I never really knew much about Maryland before, um, but once I started kind of getting in contact and learn about the coaches uh, and kind of figure all that stuff out, it ended up being a perfect fit. Do you remember what the pitch to you was to come to Maryland? Like, what was that official visit like coming down? Uh, that's a good question. I, I mean, it, they're, they're all pretty similar, you know. You know, I think the big pull for Maryland is that they have a really great coaching staff. Um, you know, a lot of young coaches, guys that know what they're doing. Um, great hitting coach and Matt Swope, good head coach and Rob Vaughn. Uh, you know, Anthony Papio, just a great assistant who, you know, basically a jack of all trades, does everything right. Um, and then, you know, we've had a, uh, a new pitching coach who does a great job too, but you know, I, all in all, it was more, you know, playing in a good conference and coming a little bit down South for me. You know, this season, there's obviously been a lot of, uh, MLB scouts in the stand. So what's kind of the mentality like trying to stay focused on playing Maryland baseball while knowing there's a future ahead for you, uh, in the major leagues? Yeah. Uh, that's something that doesn't really bother me. Uh, you know, scouts have been at plenty of games before. Um, you know, we had a lot of good prospects last year, the year before with Sean Burke and we've had guys in and out. So they've always been there and, and it's never really bothered me. Uh, you know, it's the same game and baseball is one of those games where you're going to fail and you're going to do, you know, be successful too. So, 
you know, if you don't realize that there's going to be plenty of failure, failure that comes along with it, then, you know, you're not going to have very much fun playing baseball. So it's something that you just kind of got to let go of and have fun. Kind of what has that draft process been like so far to you? Do you have an agent or are you talking to teams yet? Are you not allowed to kind of like what's the timeline on all of that? Yeah, I do have an agent. I've had them for about a year. Um, and, you know, when it comes to talking to scouts, we have like the winter meetings, which is preseason. So stuff in the winter and, you know, you meet with most of the teams. So I, I was able to meet with all the teams and, and have the conversations and they're just trying to get to know me, um, you know, talk a little bit about the organization. But, you know, their job is to get to know me as a person and kind of what drives me and see if, you know, if, if all works out, that I'm a person that they want to pick for the team. I know that one of the things that a lot of scouts are looking uh, at you right now about is your defensive ability, how you play at shortstop. Um, we talked to Coach Vaughn one time at the media availabilities, and he told a story about how you came in your freshman year and you started at third base, but he said that he thought you were trying to set the record for the most errors um, at third base. Then you moved to left field, and then you kind of ended the year at second base. And then after that season, you said you wanted to play shortstop. Um, kind of what was that mentality mentality like? Um, after kind of an up and down freshman season to then say, I want to play the hardest position on defense, I want to play at shortstop. And what did you do to prepare yourself when you eventually did win that role? Yeah, um, you know, defensively coming into college, like you're going to have to just get a ton of reps at first. Um, and that's what I did. I got a ton of reps, you know, my sophomore year fall, I was at the field every day, you know, at like 10 o'clock, just repping out ground balls and you know I knew that eventually I could earn the position um kind of like anything else if you know you put enough effort into it you'll you'll earn it um so you know I earned, I ended up earning that position and you know I had a I had a good defensive year short last year um but then coming into this fall again it was like that was my main focus was to get better defensively and so at this point you know playing shortstop I feel very comfortable there um, you know, very focused and and kind of uh, really excited to be able to play the position. I think it's a great position. I love playing there. Um, and, you know, it just I had no doubts that I was eventually going to play there, but I knew, you know, it was going to take a lot of work. Uh, there was a lot of things that were going on behind the scenes to kind of eventually be able to play that position. Can you open up a little bit about like what was behind the scenes to, to get to that position? Yeah, I mean, it's it's nothing too exciting. It's just like, you know, basically every day I'd go to the field around 10 and field for an hour. And then, you know, eventually in practice, I'd field again, obviously. Um, you know, did a, would do a mobility routine every morning and then before practice for my arm to get my arm strength better, a little more mobile. Um, you know, there's a lot that kind of went into it. Um, you know, working closely with Tommy Gardner, uh, who I played with my freshman year, who's now our infield coach, and he's fantastic. So, you know, working with him, you know, every day and just kind of repping out ground balls, repping out different plays, seeing, you know, being able to read different hops, different different balls off the bat. And, you know, it took a, took a ton of time. It took a lot of reps. It was honestly pretty exhausting at times. But, you know, in the end, you know, I really wanted to play shortstop and ended up working out. I was doing a, a little bit of uh, just looking online quickly, and it, it appeared to me that you don't um, have much of a social media presence. Is, is that true? Um, it, is it all private? Um, what's the story of that? And Yeah, no, I don't really have any social media presence at all. Uh, I don't have Instagram or Twitter. I, I might have a Twitter, but I don't know if I do. I think I had to make one long ago, so you might be able to find a Twitter somewhere. Um, but no, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not really interested in the social media stuff, um, you know, 
for some guys, it's cool. It's something that you can do to kind of build your brand or whatever. Um, just something that I don't really have any interest in. And, you know, I think for 99% of players, it does more harm than good anyways. Um, you know, I think social media can be kind of a negative thing. Uh, so, you know, just kind of getting off it, moving away from it. It really wasn't like, it was kind of just one day I was like, you know what, I'm kind of done with it. And, you know, I never looked back and I'm really glad that I walked away from it because, you know, I, I really have no desire at all to, you know, get a social media again at any point in my life. Um, so, you know, I'm just kind of, uh, I guess living how they lived 15 years ago. I mean, it wasn't that long ago when no one had social media. So, you know. Yeah. I mean, the reason I, I bring it up is um, now, you know, um, with so many more um, players just being able to use their social media accounts for kind of NIL deals. Um, I was wondering if you thought about that at all and what other kind of your thoughts on NIL are um, because I was noticing you don't have any social media accounts. Yeah. The NIL stuff is cool. I mean, you know, we have guys in our team who are making like hundred bucks here and there. Uh, which is definitely awesome. But I think in general, you know, like there's some big names in college sports that are going to be making like millions of dollars with NIL. For them, like that's huge. That's a lot of money. Uh, you know, for me to, you know, just go and make a hundred bucks here and there and to have an Instagram that I, I don't think it would really benefit me otherwise, it just doesn't seem worth it, you know. But um, for some people, that's it is. And, and obviously like, it's a different mindset if you, if you want Instagram and there's a lot of benefits and stuff and it's cool to have, but you know, just for me, I'm really not interested. Matt, I'm just wondering for you, obviously you're in a different sport, the MLB, where it's kind of a different type of draft, that type of thing. Um, you can kind of head back to school if you think that, you know, the money won't be worth it. Is it kind of like the money ball scenes when, when teams come to your door and you kind of have to parse through how do you make those decisions about going to the draft versus staying in college, that type of thing? Yeah, decisions like that, honestly, are easier. They're easier if you play better because, you know, the better you play, the more money you're going to get. And, you know, for you to come back to college thinking you're going to make more money nowadays is really a, it's kind of a hairy thing to do because, you know, once you come back to college, you really lose all of your negotiating ability because at that point, if you're a, if you're a senior, you don't really have anywhere else to go. So at that point, the chances of you making more money, like for, you know, the top of the top, I guess it might make sense, but realistically, you know, getting drafted your junior year as young as possible, because that's when you have the best, the most negotiating uh, powers. So, you know, you're going to want to get drafted. You're going to want to go your junior year or, you know, your senior year of high school, uh, whenever you can really. Um, so I, I, I mean, you know, you know, I guess you don't want to lay your cards on the table and say that necessarily, you know, it's, I'm going to get drafted and then you're losing that negotiating power to come back. But I guess in the end, you know, the dreams go play major league baseball as quickly as possible. So, you know, I, I'm, I'm okay with, uh, not sticking around here at, College Park. Have you made, you made that decision, uh, decision so far? Say it again. It was a little bit. Yeah. Have you made that official so far that you're not going to return? Uh, that's something that in baseball you don't have to do. I mean, you you simply can just if they pick you, you go, and if they don't, you don't. And it's like it's not like football or anything where I have to declare. I don't have to declare anything like that. Um, and you know, I I guess I don't have to tell the major league teams anything and. 
I guess that gives me more negotiating power. So um, make sure you guys don't send us any major league teams. And are you going to get me <laughs> in trouble? But um, no, it, you don't have to declare anything like that. So it's really not like a thought. Like no one's like, oh, I'm going to go or I'm not going to go. It's like, hey, man, you get picks. I'm going to want to go. So. Um, kind of switching up uh, the topics now. Um, I saw when you hit that grand slam against Iowa, you kind of tossed your bat a little bit. And I remember early on in the season against Ole Miss, there was a little controversy when uh TJ McCann hit that deep home run, and uh, uh your catcher Schlager had had some words for him after he watched it a little bit. Kind of what is your stance on like there being unwritten rules of baseball with like, are you allowed to celebrate? How long are you allowed to celebrate? Yeah, I mean, I think there's just there's things that you do, and if they're disrespectful, you know, you're gonna get repercussions. But at the end of the day, nobody, you just kind of accept it for what it is. Like you take the the McCann back bat flip, and you know our catcher got in his face. He said run, and eventually later on in the game, uh, McCann come came up to me and was like, you know, I'm not usually like that. Whatever, whatever. And he didn't blame Luke for getting up in his face. So, like, that's just kind of how it goes. Like, if you're going to be disrespectful and have, like, a crazy bat flip and they get up in your face, it's like, okay, you deserve it. But, like, no one at the end of the day is mad at either side. Like, both sides just treated it how, you know, they treated it. Um, I'm not a big bat flip guy. I don't think mine was really egregious by any means. I don't – I honestly didn't even mean to bat flip. Um, so, I, I wasn't surprised that no one made a big deal about it. Um. And to close off this interview, um, with every guest, we do a rapid-fire segment where we ask a quick, question, a quick question and we we get your rest, uh, best response from it. So to start it off, what is your favorite post-game snack? Uh, we have these little cherry juices. They're good for recovery, so I'll go with the cherry juice. What is your least favorite food item? Least favorite food item? We got gyros or euros, whatever you want to call them, uh, from uh, – where we get them from marathon and that was not a good pregame meal. So I didn't eat that one. <laughs> how how often you guys get that for pregame meals? It was just like a one-time thing. That was a one-time thing. That just happened. Recently. Yeah. yeah. I didn't eat um, what is your favorite big 10 team to beat? Uh, To beat this year, Iowa, because they're good. I like mm -hmm. beat. Uh, the best ballpark you've played in. Uh, Old Miss was pretty cool. Old Miss was cool. Probably up there. Ole Miss. Yeah, I'll go with Ole Miss. Uh, best walk-up song on the team. Now, I know you switched your walk-up song pretty recently to, uh, to Bad to the Bone. Am I correct? I have Bad to the Bone, but I still have Magic Stick, which is the OG walk-up song for me. So I still so, got Which one do you think is the best on the team? Best on the team? Uh, my walk-up song, Bad to the Your walk-up? Which is the worst on the team? Team. There's some. I don't know the name of them or who it is, but I'm listening to them like this. Nice. Uh, your favorite home run that you've ever hit? Uh, favorite home run? Honestly, Iowa. That was probably my favorite home run. And then I don't know if you can answer this one, but the MLB team you would most want to get drafted to? Uh, probably the Red Sox. I mean, they're my favorite team and a hometown team, and might as well choose your hometown team, right? I'm from Newton, Massachusetts, so I would also love to see that. Let's go. Represent. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we really appreciate our time, and um, that's all we got. So have a good one. Let's get into it. Mike, you've been covering baseball. What has Matt Shaw done in the past week? 
This past week, his play earned him Big Ten Player of the Week. He batted 533 the past week with eight hits, two home runs, and 16 RBIs, and led the Terps to a weekend series win over then number 22 Iowa. Uh, it was the, this is a team that is clicking now. We talked about their rough start early on in the season, where the pitching was struggling. They got off the 4-7 start, but since that rough start, they're now 13 and three. Sam. Kind of what have you seen from this team that you think has kind of flipped that switch? Well, really, I just think the offense has started to get get going. I mean, it's we've talked about the pitching struggles, and it's not like that really um, did you know that didn't really cure this past week in uh, in Iowa City. But this offense is really just starting to, like you said, fire on all cylinders. I mean, you look at Matt Shaw, kind of started the year off slow. I know he was batting like .012 after the UCF series, and like in that little gap there. And I mean, the guy's starting to look like the player that we all thought. I mean, the, I mean, this guy, he hit just an absolute moonshot, uh, you know, in that that grand slam. Over I mean, he saw yards. it. Yeah. He would have been in the dining hall, basically. <laughs> five hundred feet. Five hundred feet. Yeah, five hundred yards. That would have been a uh, very, very long way. <laughs> but yeah, Shaw is really starting to figure it out. I mean, the guy's got power. Then you're also not able to pitch around him if you're a pitcher, right? Because Nick Schlager, um, you know, Larusso, those guys, those are like key bats in this lineup that have really started to piece it together and are you know getting Shaw the ability to hit fastballs because pitchers know they can't just you know walk Shaw because oh we have an easy hitter up ahead of him or behind him that's you know LaRusso who's been one of the Big Ten's best hitters Mike um, so I think that that offense is really starting to play and that was a big weekend um, sweep or beating Iowa because it kind of gained them some Big Ten momentum and, and really started to propel them towards the top of the standings what do you think they need to do to continue that this week um, in a big home series here in College Park? So they have uh, – it's going to be a tough game. So we're recording Tuesday. Tonight they are playing against William & Mary. That's going to be their toughest opponent this whole week because they're playing the Rutgers Scarlet Knights, who are 14-13 and 13 right now um, in, their weekend, in their weekend series. So the biggest test is Tuesday night. And then let's say, you know, you got four games. You go 3-1. and one, Then you're looking at being, you know – 20 and 11 that that's a, that's a pretty good start after being four and seven yeah I mean I think that this team when you got off to that start you started thinking man can they even make the tournament and now you're looking at potentially a big 10 title for the second straight year that's a huge testament to Vaughn and his coaching staff that they've really started to kind of figure it out and and move along here um, in kind of the dog days of the season yeah I know the baseball team I talking about at the beginning of the season was um, you know if they can figure out what they had to do, they, they were going to make the tournament. Um, mm -hmm. And I know that they, they talked a lot about they can make mistakes now, and if they are successful in the end, that's all that matters. Yeah, definitely be. I mean, I think that baseball's a long game. you got to go through the ups and downs of the season. We're seeing that, and, and we're seeing that with the softball team as well. Um, Tell us about that, Sam. Yeah, big, big series sweep against Michigan State. They kind of made light work of the Spartans, really dominated them from the jump. Um, and I think that that was kind of the biggest – you know, difference was that they got off early to good starts. They got swept in Bloomington by Indiana the past weekend. Each game they were trailing by four or five runs before the game even got into the middle innings. This time they were out early. Jaden McFarland had a big weekend. Courtney Weish continues to be Big Ten Pitcher of the Year caliber. Um, and I think that they've really just started to piece it together. Mark Montgomery's squad off to the best program start in a really long time. Um, so I think that they're, you know, playing well. They're starting to find their groove. Um, and, you know, they have a series against Rutgers here coming up who's, you know, decent, but I could see Maryland taking two of three, uh, which would be huge. And, 
Again, you don't want the program curse mm. from one podcast member. That's usually a different guy. We saw that this past week, Brendan. Men's lax. The B-Wizzy curse uh, struck yet again. It's it's unfortunate. I, I, I hate to do it, but I had said that Maryland, had, Maryland men's nor women's had ever lost to a Michigan lacrosse team, and the men lost to Michigan in a pretty ugly game. They let up six goals in the first quarter. They battled back in the second. They just could never really recover, and it's the, the games they've lost, we've seen that very similar pattern, the loss to Loyola. I mean, the Notre Dame loss, they were in it the whole game, made it to overtime, but the Loyola loss came out slow, let up goals, and not a team that's good at playing from behind, and I think that is what will eventually be their demise in, in a tournament game. What do you think about the face-offs? That was kind of the big theme on, I thought, in the a game against Michigan. They were getting constantly just worked on the face-offs. How big of a stress does that place on your defense, do you think, Brendan? I know we've talked about how good the goalkeeping has been uh, after McNaney Ripples went out. a dog. But you'd prefer that your defense, uh, or your entire team, doesn't have to face that many shots. Right. Um, I think he... I think he faced 29 shots. I think he saved 13 of them, and and that's a you know it's not above 500. It's a fine save percentage, but you have to face 29 shots. I mean, against a Big Ten caliber team, it gets it, tiring. It's, too. it's just like you lose a you, possession is so incredibly important just for the, the fact that you don't have to see as many shots, you don't have to play as much defense. You have that much zone time. It's going to be a tough game, and that's really what we saw happen. Yeah, I think that Michigan just kind of continuously put pressure on Rupel, and eventually the dam's going to break. Right? You can't always expect a performance like what he had. Again, in that you know incredible goal saving against Virginia, against yeah, Virginia. I mean, you just can't. so you can't you can't rely on that constantly. Um, so that that's a really tough loss it's, to it's take. Odd. Out. I mean, I mean, Michigan's an up and coming program, but it is weird to see um, a team play so strong in some games and then come back at home and beat Virginia on the road. Right. Come back at home and lose to Michigan. Although Michigan was was playing with so much energy, you saw start of the game and the start of the half both times they just were coming firing. Yeah. They really wanted to win. You know, you anytime Maryland's you, on the map. I of mean, course, anytime you beat it, you go into a place where you literally never won a game, <laughs> you're fired up because right. you, you have a chance to kind of make your whole season off of one game. I mean, Maryland's the hunted, not the hunters. So I think that that's yeah. something they got to learn to deal with, and that's and obviously a, they have. Yeah, the past, I mean, but I mean, this worst, year it seems like kind of maybe their yeah. worst start since 2012. It's it's really not what you're going for, but it is what it is. A, a team um, also on the same field who's trending a little bit of the opposite direction the women's lacrosse team um they've been playing incredibly i think personally they played their best game of the season against michigan on sunday check out brennan's gamer thank you I, I just i just appreciate that Elite. both lacrosse teams are facing off against ohio state this weekend once again two tough matchups but i do think i said this last week and i was wrong i do think it'll be two wins for maryland unless we see exactly what happened um against the Michigan game for the men. But the women, I expect to keep rolling. Um, Libby May has had 11 goals in the past two games, just absolutely mm. on fire. Michigan had been averaging 12 goals. Maryland held them to seven. I mean, they just look so strong. I don't know if either of you guys caught a bit of that game, but they've looked incredible. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, I saw that your recap, and, and Mike, I think that we've seen this Maryland team. They are breaking in a bunch of new faces. You know, we constantly talk about that. I know that Kathy Reese has talked about wanting to have a balanced attack. Um, when I read stuff, it's always about that team. It's always about how, yeah, you know, we have a couple of elite players. You know, um, Corey Edmondson, people around the program are already calling her the best player on the team, which is crazy as a freshman for such a, you know, highly touted program and, and uh, coach. But they really want that balanced attack, Mike, and I think they're really starting to find it now in terms of, you know, other people are starting to facilitate and score some more goals. How do you see that as kind of, maybe paying off later in the season when teams maybe start to pick up on Edmonton's traits and now you have you know different players Libby May maybe starting to step up as that kind of second go-to scorer that type of thing 
I mean, yeah, you have eight different players on the roster right now with double-digit goals. That definitely helps because then the defense, you know, they can try to just centralize and focus on one offensive player, but then that allows all the other offensive players to get their own opportunities and score as well. I was going to make a very simple point. The team offensively has been so well-rounded the past two weeks that they're very hard to stop, and I honestly, I don't see them losing a game for a long time. Really? You think that this is something that they can string together? And, and how? what does a Big Ten title look like for this team be? Like, what does that do for the program? How likely is it? What do you see in terms of, you know, maybe them starting to piece together um, a potential title run that could, you know, maybe get them back into that national title conversation that, you know, every program striving for, but especially the lacrosse programs here at Maryland? I mean, 10th team in the country, you kind of, coming into the season, you really you look at Maryland women's lacrosse, you expect them to at least win a conference championship every year. I mean, they Which have, is wild to say. You, of course <laughs> it is. I mean, it's it's a bit unrealistic, but it's what you expect, right? Right. Um, Big Ten is strong, but you really do expect Maryland to be in that championship game, or if not win it. NCAA tournament, I would say same thing. I mean, fine, it's it's very similar. We talk about the field hockey team, like Final Four and championship or bust, really. it's mm-hmm. um, They had the 50th anniversary, you know... Um, celebration. Celebration, thank you, on... Sunday and it was just I mean championship after championship after after record after <laughs> yeah. player with they crazy, play those pregame hype athletes. videos oh, it, and it's, it's like crazy. it's like natty's all over the place it's wild it's, it's the, yeah it's like they, they start that video it's like Maryland's known for X Y and Z and women's lacrosse championships <laughs> it's like yeah and so I, and I think that's the standard and I think right. that Kathy Reese has upheld that standard and this team is coming together very nicely and Johns Hopkins um, Ohio State Penn State Northwestern all four good teams Northwestern fifth team in the country that'll be a test but I think they're gonna get it done. Yeah, I think that that's that's what you're shooting for, and, and this is a program with rich history that has no problem beating the beating the big time uh, teams and programs that really push you over that hump. That's something another program's trying to get to do, and that's the football team. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, they're in the off season, but we know Coach Loxley's team is always at the top of our mind here as Terps fans. And they had a big off season, big couple weeks, brought in some new assistant coaches: um, Kevin Sumlin, Josh Gaddis, Latrell Scott, and Zach Spavital. All new additions to Mike Loxley's staff. Mike, I think the big thing from from these additions is, and you kind of see a theme, is they all have some serious experience in you know pretty prestigious places. Someone obviously was the head coach at Texas A and M when jo- when Johnny Manziel was there, and you know they were on just an absolute roll. Josh Gaddis won the assistant coach of the year at Michigan. Um, worked with Jim Harbaugh coached at Alabama and Penn State as well. So these are guys that have really got some serious chops when it comes to their resume. How do you think these new faces and, and new voices might mend into the Maryland uh, team in this upcoming uh, season where Maryland's looking to make a jump? You know, you bring back a lot of starters, that type of thing. These new cooks in the kitchen, how do you see that working out? It reminds me a lot of when Loxley came in and he just got off the coaching staff of Nick Saban. Now these guys have a ton of experience. They're coming into an offensive room with a lot of experience as well. You're coming in with Tagovailoa in his last and final year. Is that correct? This yeah. is his last year. Mm-hmm. Same with Jay Sean Jones coming back. So when you have all these experienced pieces together, hopefully that gives you, you know, a deeper run in, you know, into postseason play. Hopefully that experience helps you in the long term with, you know, these experienced pieces on offense. Yeah, I think that Brendan, this is a that's two ones that I think that are the you know the main that are going to get the pub is someone and Gaddis. I mean, those are household names. Yeah, I mean, maybe maybe, maybe not maybe not a household name, but if you follow I mean, college, if you told if you people yeah. college football, if you told names. people ten years ago that Kevin Sumlin would be coming off an XFL head coaching stint and be the <laughs> associate head coach at Maryland, people would be like, "You're on serious drugs." Yeah, so, I agree. So I think that bringing him in, 
Um, and I think that there are parallels to be drawn between Johnny Football and Talia. I mean, they're not obviously the same caliber of player, but both are smaller. Both like to dance around in the pocket and try to extend plays. Talia doesn't have as much clout, but yeah. Yeah, he doesn't. He doesn't have that. I know. Who, who do we think's making more money? Talia now legally with NIL or Johnny Football back in the day? Uh, Johnny man, oh, Johnny making big. <laughs> That's an incredible question. <laughs> Uh, yeah, Johnny Football was pulling in big racks. I mean, the guy literally made the money sign against Rice, which is still one of the most elite celebrations you'll ever find. But I think that those two kind of are going get to the, get the household name. And I think that the interesting thing, too, to look at is this is an offense that Loxley said at his press conference, it's not going to change based on who, what new coaches are brought in. They're going to kind of fit to what the system is. Do you guys like that idea? Do you like coaches maybe coming in and having some individuality with how they run their system at Maryland? Or do you kind of like how everything is fit under the you know Loxley um, offensive system, that type of thing? I want to hear your guys' thoughts. That is a tough one because when you bring in a new coach, you kind of hope that they're – I mean, as the coach, of course you want to adapt to what's going on in the program, but you'd always kind of love to bring your own thing. And so I think – that's something we're gonna have to see how it plays out. I, I don't know like too many other instances of, of how that how that usually works. Mm-hmm. But you know you have a program that all the players know here, so I understand that. But you bring in a whole new head coach, it could kind of damper their spirits from the start. You hear a lot about like different coaches having their own philosophies, and sometimes that tremendously helps with a player's development. So especially since now, you know, I talk about the experiences, experienced pieces on offense. There's also gonna be you know. We're losing Rakim, they're losing Rakim Jarrett, you know, they're losing Dante Demas, they're losing Jacob Copeland. These young guys who are going to be having to take a bigger role, hopefully, maybe that helps with their development as well, you know? Yeah, and I think to Brendan's point too about coaches coming in, I think that's super smart is that you kind of want to mix it, I think. I think you always want to have like core staples of what your team does well, but I think you got to have each coach bring a little bit of individuality and flair to what they want to do. So I think that's a balance they're going to have to strike up when it comes to um you know this upcoming year and it's going to be really interesting to watch with all the new faces pacing the sidelines at cq stadium uh football is in the off season other sports are in the off season some quick hitters before we get into our final two segments mike mike jones brought in as the assistant mm-hmm. coach um dematha some quick thoughts on that hire and you know maybe a potential guest in the future here as we as we start to look um at under the shell plans i find this uh, this is a direct move to replace Tony Skin. Um, a lot of people know Tony Skin had a lot of connections George in the Mason, area. George Mason, head coach now. Um, he had a ton of connections in the area, helped a lot with recruiting. Mike Jones, kind of the same thing. Coach at the Matha, a lot of connections Might within be an upgrade. this DMV area. Um, coach some notable players. Coach Jameer <laughs> Young at the Matha. Coach somebody a lot of Wait, people. Wait, isn't he on the Maryland team? He is, and there's another person in the transfer portal right now Really notable, Hunter Dickinson. Maybe that's a move to maybe try <laughs> sounded to... Re- like, sounding like Brian Windhorst right now I, with I, the chat. <laughs> People around the league were thinking, it, what does that mean? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know if you guys think there's any correlation within that, but I definitely think it could be a piece used try to, to try to like really... Entice Dickinson. Yeah, you know? yeah. I don't know. I, Dickinson seems unlikely to me, especially just with how good Juju was mm-hmm. this past year. And, and the Big Ten. Yeah, and how much hate Maryland fans have for Hunter, but um, but I, I mean, know. all that hate can go away. Once yeah, he, <laughs> once, he commits, once, once he, he throws gets, on the Terp jersey, I think yeah. they would welcome him with open arms. Oh no, they totally would, like, but I just doubt it happens. Like I, I put it less. I think it's more like it's a mental goes thing, to, honestly. But, yeah. yeah, but I, if you move Juju to the four spot, you got a starting lineup of Jameer Young, Deshaun Harris Smith, Jamie Kaiser, Juju, and Hunter Dickinson, and Dante Scott. 
I don't think he's returning. I don't think he's coming back. But um, yeah, I think that that that's a that's an interesting I'm hire. Just saying. And I think it's an upgrade from Tony Skin. Obviously, mm-hmm. honestly, Dematha ties. I think Dematha produces some of the most elite players. We saw uh, Jordan Hawkins for UConn, who's from Gaithersburg, literally like 20 minutes from umd and and maryland obviously couldn't get him in and then the next thing you know he's dropping threes in the natty so that'll help with recruiting um it is strange how maryland there's so many high level athletic high schools in the area and maryland never really brought in those guys other than cowan and you you talked about it in swimming too none of those people come to maryland (laughs) yeah i think that that's that was that's a turgeon thing and it's clear that willard's trying to do his best to to add on to that um, another quick hitter, just looking at, you know, when Maryland's uh, the basketball practice facility um, going to be coming in soon. So that's another thing um, potentially going to dive into that. Maybe a little bit of, of why Maryland men's didn't have and women's didn't have their own practice facility. Um, potential future in depth. And then episode. even more under possibly talk to a manager on the basketball team. Yeah. So that's we'll like so. see what that's so a lot of cool episode plans in the future. But we're on the current plan. And, the, and what we all know is our top five drafts. Um, this week they've become iconic. Have you seen the Twitter impressions? I mean, it's just incredible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this week, uh, big time draft. Something that's really interesting and unique. What we're gonna do is a top five Maryland, not the University of Maryland. Making that clear, we're going to state the Great Crab State of Maryland. We are going to be selecting from the colleges that subside in Maryland. I wanted to include Georgetown, but I was struck down like lightning. Um, by the rest of the committee like here. Like the Lehman Lightning, which I included <laughs> a few drafts ago. Um, so you are going to get a logo, a jersey, a coach, a player, and a stadium. The rules are if somebody takes a pick in the category from one school, say Mike takes you know, Kevin Willard, me and Brendan cannot take Brenda Freeze, Mike Loxley, that type of thing. You are only allowed one school per category. Um, this is going to be very interesting. The order will be Mike, Sam, then Brendan. Um, we will start it off with Big Mike, who will be getting the 1-1. One, one. Mike, what are you going to take in our inaugural draft? The Navy football uniforms. Ooh, and now yeah. cl- clarify now these, which ones these they are. These are the 2021 Navy Army they will be Fly on the graphic. Navy uniforms. These, I mean. Talk these, about the colors, Mike. These are some beautiful uniforms. <laughs> <laughs> Mike, it's, it's, Mike, I can't believe you did that because you, there's a Navy uniform that is better. The, the NASA, hey, NASA one? uniform? You think the oh, NASA my God, Mike. Oh, Let him kidding? make I, his mm. pick, Brendan. It was, it was either between the NASA one or the blue one, but I don't know. The blue colors, I mean, you got the star on the side. You got the, the white and red stripes. You got the blue base color. I mean, it, it's just beautiful, plus the gray helmet. Yeah, I think this is probably the best uniform in the entire draft. Yeah, I think that that's a, uh, that's, I, it's a really strong pick. Um, I think that... When you look at those uh, those unis, you kind of just are like, Navy always does it good with the uniforms, and that's a good pick. All right, I'm up. This is a very, um, you know, it's a tough it's a tough spot to be in because the two pick, I, I, I don't love um, what where that is. But I am going to get someone who is a legend um, in the industry, um, someone who's really started to, uh, to put it together in terms of um, their kind of rep as a um, Maryland collegiate uh, coach. And for me, I will be taking the legend herself, Brenda Freeze, with my second overall pick. She has won a national title. She recently brought Maryland to the Elite Eight. I think that she's probably the best coach um, of the non, of the big revenue sports, and I think that that does play a role. Um, So I will be taking Brenda Freeze with my selection. So now no more Maryland coaches can be picked, correct? Correct. 
I thought there was a better coach on the board. From Kathy Maryland. Reese is a much better coach. I was going to say Missy Mahark. Yeah. Seven national it's, titles. That's fine. It's, I it's, just – it's preference. It, it, it's it, who it, I covered. It, 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 it's, it's, it's – I know it's Brenda. It's absolutely up to – yeah, it's up to yeah. – and I, and I just think Brenda – I think that what, what will happen is on the graphic, people are not really going to know who Missy Maharg is. Right. No offense to Missy, she's an elite coach. Oh, I don't, I don't play for the graphic. I oh, I know you don't, buddy. <laughs> so give us your pick, Brendan. With your uh, third overall selection here, you get the old wraparound. So give us the two. I think Jersey, while it's still available, I'll go Maryland Script. Ooh, good one. So Strong the Maryland book. scripts for which colors are you doing for the the red ones? Correct. The red Maryland scripts. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't it's taken? So yeah. Those uh, are those are good picks. And then for stadium, I will go with maybe one that people wouldn't suspect, but I'm going to go with Ludwig. Wow, he's going back to back Maryland because of sports at Maryland that get the most hype. It's got to be Ludwig. That's that's not what I would have gone with, but that I can respect that. Um, what were you say, Xfinity Center? Yeah, yeah. I would have yeah. gone with that, but that's well, it's I'll, a fair pick. Now you know we can take that. So yeah, yeah, All right, yeah. So it's a fair it. point. I'm going to go with back to the Navy. Well. Um, in this one, I'm going to go uh, – I think that this is one of the more elite stadiums in all of college baseball. I'm going to go with Navy's baseball stadium. It overlooks the water in Annapolis beautifully. Good pick. Um, and I really just think that, you know, I'm a baseball guy, and I just think the idea of hitting a home run into the water right on the, the state's capital is something that I would love to do. So I'm going to go with uh, Navy's baseball stadium. Mike, what do you got? Uh, I mean – if we're playing for the graphic now, I think athlete, I'm going to get Maryland off the board because that might be the hardest one to go now. So I'm going to take Jameer Young. Oh, Jameer Young. I think that so is does a, that say Jameer Young's the best athlete at Maryland? Well, uh, I mean, Matt Shaw is yeah, I mean, it was probably going to be. It was between two. him and Jameer Young, but I think Jameer Young plays more to the graphic. So. <laughs> plays more to the audience, yeah. And then I think I'm going to go coach here because I don't know how niche – Brendan's gone, but I'm I have gonna, no coach is the one I didn't go niche on, so no. I'm screwed. I'm gonna take the head coach of Salisbury football, Sherman oh, Wood. Wow, <laughs> he is the program's all-time winningest coach, 175 wins, and he's had 18 consecutive postseason appearances since 2004, plus nine conference championships. So this guy knows how to win. Has a great program up at Salisbury near the coast. Tell us about um, Salisbury. So where is that exactly in Maryland? Can you talk to us about that? It's about like an hour, 30 minutes away from Ocean City a little bit. Um, So it's near the beach. It's more on the eastern shore side of Maryland. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. Okay. Good picks, Mike. I really respect both of those. Now I'm going to get my jersey off the board, and I'm going to go with the powder blue John Hopkins lacrosse jerseys. Good pick. Uh, Powder blue is an elite. Uh, elite color and on the lacrosse it just looks great when they have the different shades and you got you know like the helmets just go so good with the jerseys with the eagle helmet um so john hopkins lacrosse jerseys is my pick brendan with your fourth or no third and then fourth pick i'm gonna go logo here i don't think anybody's taking no logos Um, logos. i guess maryland is still on the board i'm not gonna take maryland though because that's boring I am going to take the navy logo of the goat. The oh, that's goat. a good pick. That's yeah. a good pick. So not the N, the, just the goat. Yeah, Yeah, the jumping goat. It's a cool one. I, yeah, I it's fancy. a good pick. That's a good pick. And then player, this is the one I went crazy on. Okay. Um, sing, you didn't do a Salisbury um, player, did you? I did not, no. No, okay. So Salisbury field hockey. They went 18-1 this year, which is a solid season. Um, but I'm looking specifically to the field hockey team's goalie, Mackenzie Peacock. 
She only allowed 13 goals Great all name. season. Wow. wow. In 19 games. Um, the team ended up losing in, in the NCAA tournament along the line. Um, Salisbury outscored the opponents 76-13 to 13 with help from McKenzie. Um, just to give a little bit of context, um, you know, maybe Mike can help me out here a little bit. Um, Maryland goalkeeping let up 22 goals in 16 games, so 13 goals in 19 games. That's some incredible goalkeeping. That is very good. Maryland field hockey struggled with goalkeeping the whole season. They shuffled through two maybe different they goalies. Maybe we should get uh, so Peacock. Maybe, maybe, they, maybe they should try to get her through the transfer portal. Yeah, Who the knows? transfer portal is always available. That's a, that's a very good pick. All right, I'm going to get my logo off the board. And I'm going to go with something that's true to my heart, and I'm going to get the UMBC Retrievers. Uh, mm. Having a dog as a logo is pretty cool, um, and their mascot is elite. So I will be going with the Retrievers as my logo. Mike, give us your final two picks. So now I have a logo and a stadium. Well, stadium's going to be the hard one. But for logo, I'm going to take the Towson Tigers. I don't mm. know if you guys know what this logo looks like. Let me pull this up real quick. Well, we're not a visual podcast. Actually, no, we're not a visual podcast, so, so it doesn't matter. <laughs> And then for stadium, I was trying to see if anybody played at MT and Bacon Stadium. I could not find that, so I'm just going to take the... Uh, that would have been crazy. I, I'm, I'm really glad you didn't do that. That's uh, a little bit of a BS I, move, in my opinion. What do you mean? What do you mean? Say anyway, it. you're not taking it. Keep it going. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm just going to take the Towson Basketball Stadium. Oh, so back-to-back Towson it, picks. It's, it's a solid. It's a solid little Wow. Yeah. Back-to-back Towson's. Okay, so for players so far, Maryland and who would you take, Brennan? What, what, it was the goalie, but what university? Uh, Salisbury. Salisbury. Okay, so that leaves me with a couple of different options. Um, what I'm going to go with is this is, this is a tough one because – you're looking at like a lot of different, you know, options. If we could go past players, man, oh, there are some good ones that I had in mind, but we can't do that. So with my pick, I will be taking Chloe Dots, who was a track athlete. Oh, at John this Hopkins. is crazy. This is an ins- <laughs> that's an insane. Chloe set two personal records this past week when she ran a 12.2 finish in the 100 meter dash. What meet was this? What meet was this? Uh, it was in the Williamsburg cool. meet. She ran, so she ran a 12.2 finish. Brennan, how good is that in 100 meters? Solid. Okay. And then again, she set a 23.87 in the 200 meter. That, I feel like, is very 20, good. 28? No, 24.7. It's, it's okay. Oh, okay. I'll give her a fine. That's pretty good. Um, so I will be going with Chloe Dot as my athlete. This is like a crazy move. I'm not. I'm not really proud of this. I don't have another coach, um, and so this is an assist from Mike. Maybe you can give him a sixth coach. I don't know, but just just shout somebody else out. Mike, say this guy's name. I don't know how to say. it. <laughs> okay, either. I'll say that. <laughs> Paul Kostakopoulos. He's the head baseball coach at right. Navy. I hope it's right. Greek uh, in his in his 18th season, every season he's won 30 or more games. Um, ten seasons, yes. In ten. <laughs> okay, let's try again. In ten of his seasons, he's won 30 or more games. Second most winning coach um, in Navy baseball history. So that's it. Shout out Kostakopoulos. Yeah, solid pick, solid ending. Um, I think the strongest pick uh, overall was Mike getting the Salisbury um, coach. That was pretty elite. Um, but I really like my draft, actually. I, I think the John Hopkins powder blue unis, um, I think everybody had good unis. I'd say me and Brennan's are probably the best two. I like those unis, Mike, but with the 1 1, that was a little bit of a reach, I you think. You don't think those are like. They're elite. good. But I they, wanted the astronaut unis bad. They've had you, some better That ones. was number one on your yeah. board. Yeah, on the big board, Brendan had it. Um, so that was good. 
Mike, what did you think in terms of the draft? How do you think it played out? Just give us some quick thoughts. I like the nicheness of it. I think we got to keep doing the nicheness. That was I very love good. Uh, it's so fun. Yeah, I think so. if I we we it was a little bit late. Let's we'll we'll get it down next week. We're gonna have something crazy niche. And it'll be fun. <laughs> we'll figure it out. So that'll be um, that'll be the draft for this week. Everyone, go vote on the Twitter on all of our Instagrams. We post it. Um, so you can vote on that. Give us feedback. Give us comments on, on who you think took home the crown this week. And with that, we will wrap up with our final segment of the week. It's the Brendan Weissell Show. He's going to be bringing in a random, obscure Maryland athlete of the past who somehow had the most crazy life story you'll ever find. Our investigative journalist, our very own Brendan Weissell. Take it away. Last week was outstanding. I don't think I'll be able to match it, but I'll, I'll give you guys a double because two sports is always greater than one. Ever heard of Tom Brown, anybody? Thomas no. William Brown, born December 19, December 10, 12, 1940? No. No Never one knows Tom Brown. Let's okay. hear about him. Um, Tom Brown went to the University of Maryland, but it's more important what he did after the University of Maryland. At Maryland, he was at baseball uh, and football on, on both teams, um, and he kind of had some incredible statistics when he was on um, the football team. 1962, he scored six touchdowns. Oh, there we go. There intercepted we go. six passes. Oh, what That's a, crazy. What a double doozer. He caught 47 passes as well. It's just it's something you really wouldn't see anymore, someone being that dominant. I mean, six touchdowns, six, six interceptions, on, and doing it on both sides of the ball with less games, it, yeah. it's a notable statistic. And then after, uh, in the professional field, he played for the Washington Senators, who are now the Texas Rangers, mm-hmm. um, in 1963. Uh, switch hitter, um, didn't have the greatest season but hell, he made the MLB. That's pretty incredible. And then in 1964, he signed with the Green Bay Packers. <laughs> Played there from 1964 to 1968. Um, won Super Bowl I and Super Bowl II. Pretty crazy. That's wild. Uh, and then he played for the Washington football team, uh, <laughs> Commanders, in 1969. Didn't have an incredibly successful career in baseball. Batting average 147, hit one That's home run. That's great. Um, four runs batted in but what you have to know is that he then went from that played a year in in major league baseball and went to the nfl was selected 28th in the nfl draft it's just crazy you could play a season of baseball and then go to the nfl yeah that's wild that's a that's another good one i mean the the two sport athletes that play professionally that i mean that could never happen anymore it's crazy that 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 does it so another great terrific turp from b another good episode from the fellas um, you can check us out. Be sure to tune in for the Matt Shaw interview. He, they will be playing this weekend, so keep a lookout on on what he does. And keep a lookout on our socials. You can find this podcast anywhere you get it, uh, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. Um, it'll be on Twitter at our socials under under the shell on Instagram and Twitter. Um, for once again, Brendan Weissel, Michael Howes, and myself, Sam Jane, signing off. Have a happy Passover, a great Easter, and that is it. See ya.